This is the Eat.News podcast, powered by Back of House, where we cover the biggest restaurant and food service industry headlines. This week, we're talking through a pivotal Supreme Court decision on vaccine mandates, seeing signs of life for the Restaurant Revitalization Fund, and bracing for more drone delivery. It's Thursday, January 13th. I'm Claudia Sarek. In today's top story, we discuss the fate of the much-debated federal vaccine mandate, which finds itself before the Supreme Court. For more, we go to Back of House editor Matt Lynch. Hi, Matt. As always, welcome to the show. Thanks, Claudia. It's uh, great to be back. So before we dive into the Supreme Court decision, could you remind everyone what's been happening with the federal vaccine mandate over the past several months? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, to remind everybody, the federal mandate stipulates companies with more than 100 employees either verify that they're vaccinated or conduct weekly COVID tests. And that's been looming over businesses since the fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, And without getting too much into the weeds, basically the measure has been subject to significant pushback, especially from multiple states' attorneys general. And there have been a number of stops and starts in the hands of lower courts, but it finally reached the Supreme Court late last week. And that's exactly where the legal experts we spoke to uh, a few months ago predicted it would ultimately end up. Interesting. So... What's happened thus far then in front of the Supreme Court? Well, the court heard oral arguments and Justices Kavanaugh, Roberts and Gorsuch, who collectively represent half of this court's 6-3 conservative majority, all seem to express skepticism that OSHA had the authority to enact such a mandate. Yeah. So nothing's definitive yet, but most who are reading the tea leaves and honestly have a lot more experience predicting these sorts of things than I do when it comes to the Supreme Court sound like they expect the mandate to be struck down. So where does that leave restaurant owners right now, then, in terms of a more definitive answer as to whether or not the mandate will actually go into effect? That's actually an interesting question, Claudia, because if we're being technical, it has gone into effect already, as the most recent appeals court decision allowed it to proceed, and the official start date was actually January 10th. But that said, the government has stated it won't be citing anyone for noncompliance until February 9th. So it really isn't being enforced in any meaningful way just yet. But as far as the Supreme Court decision, we don't know for sure when it will come down, but these types of decisions don't necessitate that the court provide a fully written opinion. So that means a decision could come pretty quickly. Right. And that combined with uh, this being so time sensitive, obviously, with the deadline looming, has experts predicting we could see a decision as soon as this week. Wow. Well, so then what would you recommend operators who could be impacted do in the meantime? Well, our advice has been pretty consistent that businesses are best served erring on the side of caution and being prepared to remain compliant in case the mandate does go into effect. And that's still the advice we would give. Uh, And obviously, if businesses should still have questions about whether they would fall under the mandate or any other particulars, a labor attorney is a really valuable resource to consult as we await a final decision. Yeah. Great advice. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Yeah, thanks so much, Claudia. Moving to other stories, here's a reminder that some businesses aren't waiting for the federal government's decision to move on requiring employee vaccines. Starbucks, for example, is already implementing their own. 
the chief operating officer announced it will require its employees in its U.S. stores, offices, and manufacturing plants to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 by February 9th or receive weekly COVID-19 testing, which mirrors the guidelines and timing outlined by the federal mandate. Pivoting to a hopeful sign on the pandemic front, a pair of senators, Democrat Ben Cardin of Maryland and Republican Roger Wicker of Mississippi, met to discuss replenishing the depleted $28.6 billion restaurant revitalization fund. If Congress does pass another COVID-related aid package, it's likely to be aimed at keeping businesses open rather than paying vaccinated people to stay home. Restaurants can make a great case for why it's needed. The Independent Restaurant Coalition estimates that without action, something like 150,000 restaurants and bars could close in the next few months. We'll be watching this story closely as it develops. To-go cocktails became a financial lifeline for many restaurants during the pandemic, and some states and cities are pushing to make them a permanent fixture. New York Governor Kathy Hochul announced that she wants to allow bars and restaurants to sell to-go alcoholic beverages permanently. The change in law will take a few months, but the New York City Hospitality Alliance is already counting the governor's announcement as a major win. To quote its executive director, the drinks-to-go policy provides critically important revenue streams to struggling restaurants and bars and is extraordinarily popular with the public, unsurprisingly. It remains to be seen how many other states that altered liquor policies during the pandemic will move to make those changes permanent. Headed south, North Carolina is about to hear a lot more buzzing. Flytrex, which tested out five-minute food delivery via drone last summer, has just received Federal Aviation Administration approval to expand its delivery radius to one nautical mile from three North Carolina outposts. The approval amps up Flytrex delivery area households to nearly 10,000, just one more step in a very gradual national trend by several companies in the race for aerial delivery supremacy, meaning that for once, getting hit with a flying burrito could actually be a good thing. In other technology news, Restaurant Dive reports that checkers and rallies are planning to implement the largest scale rollout of AI-based voice assistance in the hospitality industry, installing voice-activated drive-through software, Presto, at their corporate-owned locations this year. The company reports that the software performed well in trials last year with an accuracy rating of 98% and minimal employee intervention required. McDonald's, Burger King, and Crystal are among the other fast food chains currently testing AI-based ordering, with Crystal's version even reportedly deploying a southern accent. Union Hospitality Group's Danny Meyer is gearing up to fund more casual restaurants and hospitality technology companies, and he's bringing some big investors with him. His fund, Enlightened Hospitality, just raised $332 million in capital, eclipsing a $300 million fundraising target, which comes on the heels of $220 million the group raised just four years ago, which it used to invest in companies like Goldbelly and Bento Box, among others. The fund is expected to target high-growth concepts with minority investments of 10 to $30 million, according to Restaurant Business. Finally, in a sign of the times, Omicron is making tough-to-score reservations available, at a price. 
Eater New York reports that Reddit has been flooded in recent weeks with diners who've tested positive for COVID-19, trying to unload pricey prepaid reservations at prestigious restaurants like Eleven Madison Park or Adamix. The reservations booked through reservation platform Talk sometimes run in the range of $1,500 or more and are non-refundable, hence the move to unload them online. Yet another reminder that it's hard to plan much of anything in advance these days. That's all for this week, folks. Bye-bye. <laughs>